Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Shannon. Thank you. Hi, I'm Shannon, grateful, recovering, compulsive eater. Hi, Shannon. So I'm I'm not nervous because um, I love you guys so much and I can't like you like was just shared can't think of anything better to be doing during life and difficulties in life but um, I'm overwhelmed because there's there's just so much to say and um, so much about what's the life that I have because of this program and the things that I learned in here and um, so I'm gonna qualify first because um, I you know I'm a I was a, I'm a podcast junkie from back when I got my abstinence. Like, I wouldn't be abstinent today if it weren't for, for this podcast and for all the people, many of whom are in the room, and people that I get to know through this program um, who really just taught me everything, you know, through what they said on this. Um, so um, I came into program um, through the People program um, probably about 10 years ago, and um, I was raised in a um, – well, wait, let me, let me say, um, so I'm maintaining a 30 to 40 pound weight loss depending on what time of the month it is or what's going on. Um, and my abstinence is that I do not eat sugar or flour at all, ever. Um, I eat dates, and um, that's, that's my sweet thing. And um, I used to eat agave, but my new sponsor cut that, which is fine. Um, so that for me, and as you hear my story, um, you'll understand that that for me – is what I needed. I needed to get sober. I was not sober when I came here. <clears throat> and was, if I'm if I'm on sugar and flour, I am not sober. So I can't function. And I just kind of was came in here as, as a, a huge mess. Um, and a lot of people um, feel it's maybe a little difficult of an abstinence, but for me, um, it's the hugest gift because it gives me freedom. And I still have, you know, I still struggle with emotional eating and um, I'm still a compulsive overeater. Uh, For me, that abstinence just gives me a a safe place to kind of work this program and and have my life. So um, I uh, was raised in an abusive family. Um, Actually, I came into the people program because um, it's kind of the same dynamic as an alcoholic family, but actually for me it was religion, yay, um, and uh, which is kind of a double, it's a very twisted kind of thing as we all, you know, we all come from our different backgrounds and we all have our stories. Um, so um, the, that abuse just really created a lot of fear and confusion and um, it, it really uh, forced me to hide myself to um, try to get by um, and just try to get out and to run. And um, so I kind of, what I developed was a lot of escapism and um, and, and ambition, really. Um, My brother, who I adore, is, um, he became a practicing drug addict. And so, um, but I I idolized him and we were total Stockholm Syndrome. And um, 
I just wanted to do whatever he was doing, so I followed him to school, and um, I I kind of stayed the good one, and he, he actually really got a lot more of the physical abuse than I did, but I also have survivor's guilt, and sort of watching all that abuse, it's like, it, it affected me in, in a whole different set of ways, but um, as we got older, he um, kind of, well, he's the high, he's a functioning, he was a functioning drug addict at that time, and he um, went into rehab, and so that's how I came into the people program, and so when he called me, and he said, do you realize, you know, how our background affected us, and because he was starting to get some recovery, and he said, this thing is about God, you know, there's this God component, and I was like, uh, yeah, no, like, absolutely not, like, that's the problem, you know, so I was convinced that all of my problems were my whole life has been spent trying to fix him and trying to fix the family and try to be the one that held it all together and be the good guy and get out alive and, you know, get out unscathed and all of that and try to be perfect. And, um, you know, uh, so when, when he, so when he said that, so when he got into trouble, then I was like, okay, now I can go to program because I need to fix him and I'm going to figure out how to deal with his addiction. Cause you know, we, we start there when we're addicts. Um, and I came in, I came in, I, I, I came to one meeting a week, religiously, for several years. Um, at this point, I had, um, I had kids and was married and, um, you know, obviously had struggled with food my whole life. But, um, you know, that was because everybody was a nightmare and how was I going to, you know, that was just to, to get by. That was a coping mechanism. Um, I hated it. I mean, I share with you all and I don't even need to go into it because you all know the story, the the dieting, the binging, the, I wasn't, I wasn't a perjurer, but the binging, calculating the spreadsheets, the diets, the starvation, the, you know, my brother and I would like, you know, have starvation contests and see who could get, you know, and it was all about that whole thing of like, when we're skinny, then everything's going to be okay, you know, and not even knowing that we're living in this like hell, you know, that's just a total trap. Um, so very unconscious, just so unconsciously driven by this, you know, and really what, um, developed into what, what, what I identify here as the addiction, you know, and the, the addictive mentality. And, um, so anyway, I, I got into that program. I started coming once a week at this room. God love this room is where I found God. And I came in on my knees, um, and because because of my brother and those steps on the wall and they would read them and I just was like that's those are a lot of words they're saying I those are just they're talking I have no idea what they're saying and I did not care I just didn't mean it I just was I was literally just trying to survive and um, people talked about the steps but it didn't mean anything to me um, so you know continuing on like everything's everyone else's fault you know I was abused that's why I'm a mess and um, so I was getting ready to turn 40 and I had started to open up a little bit just by coming here and being in the rooms with people. And I remember um, something I always think back about is how one person would say that they were about to commit suicide and then they would finish and everyone would just say, keep coming back. (laughs) And I was so, I just wanted to get up and I was such a mess. I didn't know how people could just, you know, support each other like that and just be here. I also could not understand how there was no leadership. I mean, I'm, I come from, like, organized, like, I could not get how that could be possible. So all of those, just, again, that's why I say, like, you guys have taught me everything. And just being here, I kind of started, like, well, maybe, you know, if there's something here, you know, and that's how I kind of started opening up to, like, just trusting and being like, maybe, you know, this whole idea of something bigger than me and whatever. 
And so I'm turning 40, and somehow, because God had started sort of speaking to me, but I hadn't, I didn't have a spot, nothing. Like, I mean, I was not working the program. I was just kind of getting introduced, let's say, over several years. And um, I decide, because I'm an addict, that I have to put on a full-length concert for 130 of my dearest, nearest and dearest and friends singing, which I had not done in 20 years, um, and I'm going to reveal myself to my family and all these people about this hidden desire that I have to, you know, to sing, which is what I always wanted to do, and I chose a different career. Um, so I proceed to start eating <laughs> in preparation for this, you know, and also because I'm an addict and all of that, I'm also, like, working with, like, a, a you know, a vocal coach and hiring, like, a huge team and, you know, doing this whole thing totally as an addict and just eating constantly, could not stop eating, drive through the drive through like, condense all of the years of all the crazy stuff that we all do and put them in that, like, nine-month period and preparing for this thing. And by the time um, the event got here, I gained 40 pounds and was just like, okay, God. I mean, it was like, you know, I might just like, okay, God, I, if you will just get me through this thing, I will go to OA on Monday morning. Because I, I just was like, obviously I have a food problem. <laughs> and it was like, oh, crap, I'm an addict too. It's not everybody else. It's me. You know, I'm the one that's having this problem. So um, I, I had the event, and it was um, God doing for me what I could not do for myself. And he actually, by me opening my mouth and stop to not hide and stuff my feelings and my talents and my gifts that he had given me, um, I was able to receive love in a way that I never had in a, like, really tangible um way and um it just overwhelmed me I, I didn't think that I, I had I, I didn't realize that I believed that people were out to get me you know that's what I that's when you're when you're raised in that hell like that you know that's what you believe and I, I just I believe that people wanted to hurt me and that um that's how it works you know and all this love is coming at me and I'm just like what you know, and it was like, wow, I didn't even know. I thought people were going to, like, throw tomatoes at me afterwards. I just thought they would hate it, you know, and that they would think she's so egotistical. How could she do this? Whatever. I mean, I have that. That's the, that's my void. That's the voice of my disease that's in my head, especially, you know, and that was before much recovery. So that was Saturday night, Monday morning, send everybody back to where they came from, and I went to my first OA meeting, um, and I was standing outside the room, and I was like, I cannot believe that I'm fat again, because God knows I've been skinny and fat so many times. I can, you know, we can all count. Um, and I can't believe that I have to come to this awful thing because I can't stop eating cheeseburgers. Like, what is this? So stupid. I was so mad, you know, so stupid. And because it's like, shouldn't you just be able to not do that? And I know we joke because that's what everyone says, but it's like, just don't do it. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I didn't have a clue. Um, so I, I stood outside that room and I said, I just was like, God, seriously, this is total. And I just heard uh, almost audibly, like, you don't need more food, you just need more of me. It's okay, you know. So I walked in and I, and I, that's where it all started. And I got a sponsor right away. And I, <laughs> I was like binging at that point, you know. Like I said, I couldn't stop. And. Um, there was someone that I'd seen around, and I said, I, you know, would you, they say, look for someone who has what you want, and she's so beautiful and just so peaceful in her spirit, and I thought, oh, that's what I want, to be calm, you know, and um, 
So I asked her if she would sponsor me. She said, well, I only sponsor people the way I was sponsored, which is no sugar, no flour. And I was like, uh, <laughs> that's your joke. That's, <laughs> that's the joke, right? Like, what are you, t- that's so stupid. Like, I mean, I've been on every diet in the world and nobody ever told me that I couldn't eat. Like, well, that's crazy. Like, there's no such thing. That's all I eat. Like, literally, that is all I eat. <laughs> and um, she, I just, and she said, well, pray about it, which at the time I was still just beginning my relationship with higher power. So that was already like, okay, but whatever that means. And she said, pray about it and call me tomorrow. And I just, you know, I'd already got the bug. I'd, God was already at it, doing it, whatever. You know, I call I call higher power God, although lately I've been thinking I might just call him by my name. Um, but anyway, because um, it's, it's like the more, the deeper my relationship with the higher power has gotten, it really is just like the best, like the most beautiful version of, of what I can be as a human here. You know, a loving, giving, trying to be honest person. Um who shows up who shows up for my life and shows up for the people in my life and and you know and is smart and able to um have wisdom and discernment and you know strength and just all the things that I think that that that's what my higher power wants for me you know he doesn't want me to be hurt which is what I thought before because I didn't I didn't know and I was just really not aware um Anyway, and so I, I said, well, you know, what does it hurt to try, I guess? I don't know. I didn't think, I, I just didn't think it was possible. So I was like, all right, I'll try. Um, and this is what I want to talk about to anyone who's listening to this and the people who are in the room. Like, for me, getting abstinent and giving up those drugs, which is what they were, and I am an addict. I come from that kind of drug addict type mentality. Um, I got sober one day at a time as if I was giving up alcohol. I didn't know that's what hap- was happening at the time. I j- was just trying to trust God, and I re- there was a process where, you know, I called my son. You know, I went to meetings. I just did the stuff, and I I did have like a a desire. I was on my knees. I did know that whatever I always loved, like whatever I had done, that's where, where did it get me? Standing outside that door, being torqued that I couldn't eat cheeseburgers. Like that's not what I want to. That's not who I want to be. You know. So it's like, okay, I know I can do better than that, so why not just let it go? And it was kind of my first, I mean, so my abstinence is like how I practice daily letting go and letting God because I I just wouldn't have known that that was possible, and I just did it one day at a time. And it was really traumatic in those beginning days with the, you know, the abstinence nightmares where you dream that you ate the thing you're not supposed to eat and, um, like, being there like white knuckling and like wanting the thing and having to call people and um you know that's why they call it the gift of desperation because I went through that so therefore it, like, it broke eventually it broke and then I was you know in a new place and it, it did teach me a new level of um trust and also it showed me to get out of myself because it was like I didn't I couldn't have done that if I could have thought of that I wouldn't be here you know I say that all the time like if I had this figured out I would not be here um it would not be an issue so getting absent um just then of course obviously my life changed um and for me that's been like speaking up for myself trying to be in touch with um who I really am what my needs are um what I want to ask for it, to learn how to do my work better, to show up for the people in my life, um, and then um, also working steps. And I wanted to say, you know, for when I when I worked the steps, 
Um, the first time I just I'm just sharing this because I know we all do it differently and I think it's very interesting um, to hear what when people talk about working the steps because again like those words on the wall like if you, oh work the steps what's that what the heck does that mean how do you do that um, I just when my when I was working when I'm working the step I just kind of like when I meditate or when I'm in myself I'll just be like oh I'm on this step whatever step it is um, right now I'm on this step in another program. Um, so it's like, okay, I'm working this step. And I just kind of like meditate on that step every day. And then I just, I would take like three, four, five months, whatever it was, doing whatever my sponsor told me to do at that time, which was always writing, and just like be in that step, you know, and just think about it. So when I was on my, was it seven, where I got my character defects, I just was kind of meditating. And I, I mean, God gave me a list. <laughs> you know, my higher power was like, boom, boom, boom. And then I, I wrote it down on a thing, and my um, my um, sponsor had me say this, that hold it in my hand and say the seven-step prayer every day and just turn that over and just hand it up and give it away. And my list was like um, victim, martyr. Um, and I, I, hello, I was a victim. I am a survivor. Like, that is always going to be the knee jerk because that's what I learned, you know. So, like, and I'll, I'm sure, and I know a lot of us, that's why we're here, you know. So, um I've learned to have compassion for that in here. Before, it was like my operating system, you know, and it doesn't really work, and it certainly doesn't set you up for really great loving relationships with anybody, um, you know, most intimate or even just casual. It's very hard. Um, so that kind of came to me, and then it was like it was concrete. It was like, oh, that's something I can, you know, I can look at that, and I hold it in my hand, and I, I let it go, you know. And then also, like, resentment. I just, you know, I was like, people think I'm nice. Like, I'm, people think I'm a nice person. They, they, and I'm not trying to be shady. I just, like, I have a lot of resentment. I mean, that kind of, you know, when, where we come from and when we have, whatever caused it for, whatever your story is, that create, whatever each person's story is that gives them an addict mentality, like, that didn't come from a, a nice place. That didn't come from a loving place, you know. Um, and that creates resentment, and for me, resentment's like anger, but like with with an edge. It's like a twisted, festering anger, um, and it's an un, it's like you don't know why. And that that for me, that turned into resentment, and it was really starting to be a problem, which is really why I got in here. I think when I was younger, it probably didn't show up that way. Like that is what you know they say it's a progressive disease. For me, that's what progressed. It really started getting ugly, and it was starting to show up, and I didn't know. Because, again, everything was everybody else's fault. So why am I having problems? Like, I'm doing everything right, you know. But, no. <laughs> and then perfectionism, which is a it's completely fear-based. Um, just completely fear-based. And it's like this fake desire to control things and to think that somehow we're in control. And um, one of the things I have learned over five years of coming to meetings, I love literature and I love listening to people. I really... I take a lot from this program, and um, letting go of perfectionism, which sometimes I'm still working on, is um, it's all about trust. And that was the when you come from being hurt, the last thing you're going to do is trust anybody. Um, so for me, it was really like building that. So higher power, forget God, not God, whatever you want to call it. For me, it's literally just like a letting go of thinking that I that I am in control because that's false. So if I'm not, then it's got to be something bigger that's happening that is um, just much bigger than me. And um, as I have let go and trusted that thing, it constantly shows me that it is okay and that things do work out and that there is always um, 
just, you know, a reason to take the next breath, I guess. I don't know. I, I just have found it to be a very positive experience. And um, I see evidence all the time in my relationships and in my um, my successes as they grow that um, it's working. So I just keep coming back. I mean, that's all I can do. And um, I guess I wanted to share a couple of other, and I do want to take questions because I think that's fun. Um, and I like to hear what people are thinking about. Um, and again, when I came in here, I could not look anyone in the eye. When I was not sober because I was like junked out on like crap all the time, I couldn't look at people. I didn't talk to anyone. I came for years. I didn't speak to anybody. I didn't have any friends in here. I didn't trust anybody. I thought everybody was crazy, like me, because I was, you know. Um, and now I'm like, ooh, I want to know what you guys have to say. I mean, I've sung at away birthday parties and have made friends and have, like, trusted people and shared with people and just had people in here tell me that they loved me. And I still, like, look over my shoulder, like, who are they talking to? Like, why would they even say those words? Like, And it's like, oh, because... We do, you know, and we've learned that, and we just have let that go and just been like, oh, yeah, you know, this, this works, um, and you just see it. Um, some of the things that I uh, wanted to share is um, someone shared in a meeting one time about a difficult family situation he was having and that he just said, he was, like, at a big family dinner or something, he was like, just do the dishes, just get up and do the dishes, and he did, and he just, you know, and I think about all the time, just do the dishes when it's, like, getting so terrible, so much crap is going on, or I'm feeling, I mean, my head, oh, it's, like, just do something, you know, next right action, set aside prayer, like, just let it go, um, it will work itself out, and you are not in control, and that's a good thing, you know, that, when you're, when I'm living in perfectionism, that's the whole point, is to not give up control, but then I have to learn from experience that that doesn't work. And what does work is when I let go and then things start to fall into place. It's like, oh, that actually worked out. And nobody needed me to do anything. Um, and the serenity prayer. I just hate the serenity prayer. I don't know why I didn't get it. Um, I didn't like that last part, I guess. <laughs> and then, um, I don't know. That's starting as I'm getting older. I'm, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm turning five this year. So starting to, like, you know, get a little bit of sense of self in here. Um, not just the whole, like, wide-eyed, like, what's going on, um, and trying to grasp on. And it's like, yeah, um, you know, just grant me the serenity. I mean, you can just stop there, and it's cool. Thank you. Um, so I think I'll wrap up. If there are questions, that will help me take up the next bit of the time. I think that will be great. Thanks. <laughs> Where did you got? Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, um, well, thank you for sharing, Crystal. And I really appreciate um, your definition of your higher power and can really relate to that. And um, as someone who um, also comes from an, an abusive religious background, um, I was wondering if you had any advice as to how to navigate this program um, while kind of avoiding some, like, some of the more rigid or, um, I guess, rigid interpretations of the higher mm -hmm. power aspect. And this is coming from the perspective of someone who also uh, has struggled with my sexuality a lot and mm -hmm. stuff because of my background. So I wonder if you have any advice about mm -hmm. Okay, so the question is, um, like, how have I navigated um, my relationship with my higher power given that I come from a very rigid religious background, which subscribes a lot of... Uh, characteristics to that idea, let's say. That's 
my version of your question. Um, well, I mean, I had to, I mean, step one is about surrender. So at some point I had to realize that, like, whatever I thought was true, it can't be. Otherwise, how could I be so miserable? That can't be good. That is not how this is supposed to be. I'm sorry. It just can't be. And that can't be God in, as far as what I knew, what I believed God to be. So number one is just, like, surrendering all those old beliefs and then letting something new build. And that's what happens as you work, as I work the steps is that that got built up in me and I learned it over time. But um, for me it was um, – first it was anger, and then that didn't get me anywhere because it was like, well, screw that. It's not true. And then, and, and then I'm left with nothing. And so that was pre-program. And then in program it became – well, right before program and kind of the beginning of program, it was kind of like, well, something's making all this work. So what if I just believe that it's something good, you know? And what if I choose to just believe in something good that's just working beyond what I, I mean, I can't understand science. There's got to be something, you know? And, and so I, to me, I, I explained to my sponsees, it's like a, it's like a mentality that I can step in and step out of. Like, you know, it's like the, the, all-knowing, all-good, all-working, and we get to choose to kind of step into that flow or out of it. And so I've just come in here and, and listened to people and just picked up a lot of different things that just work, just make so much more sense to me that are things that make me feel like I could subscribe to them. So I guess I'd say number one is just really you have to let go of all that. I had to let go of all the old stuff, and then really question it when it comes up in my psyche. Like, well, that's not true. And it's like, actually, maybe you don't know. Like, maybe if I knew, I wouldn't be here. Okay, I wouldn't be coming to these rooms. I'd be out having, like, that perfect life that I thought I was going to get, you know. And then on the other thing that you mentioned about questioning oneself, um, shame is also not God for me. And, and, and I still, you know, we, that's a human, I think it's a human thing. And also I think if, for me, coming from that um, kind of, religious background the shame's a, it's kind of built in and it's a little bit harder for me because of my background and because because of that so I have to you know just really try learn to recognize it and be like okay that's not God you know it's not God and that and then and then when you start questioning it then you can start to open up and trust for me and then I was able to trust and let something new start to grow and now I, I lean on it you know I really do trust it and it's it's the only thing I got, really. You know, it's that relationship is more comforting to me than anything else in this, you know, in in like the world that I would have created, you know, in my mind. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Janet. I think sometimes you still struggle a little bit with um, compulsive eating or um, overeating. When you do get into those, those decisions, what is your process of self-forgiveness like? Oh, I love that because I have to do it every day. <laughs> um, depends on what's going on and what the mindset is, but it's generally um, kind of a version of what I just said. It's like, okay, God, I'm eating French fries right now, uh, and it's got to be okay. Oh, the question was, I'm sorry, the question was, um, when I still struggle with it, compulsive eating and or emotional eating, how do I practice self-forgiveness in my program at this time? Um, so I was just saying, like, I just try to be in reality, and I don't I, – I just turn it over, you know. Like, I'll, I'll have that moment, and it's like, 
probably not the best choice that I'm making right now, but God, you know what? I'm struggling and I'm scared and I need something and I still need to, I still have those moments I don't trust and I just do it anyway. And then I say, okay, and you know, you'll, your things are getting better. I know you're going to show me and it's going to be okay. And it's just going to be okay. So, and so with that, obviously I can't obsess about my weight. I can't obsess about what I look like. Because that, those things don't go together. If I'm going to obsess about that, then I would also have to obsess about what I just put in my mouth. And I'm not going to do that because anything loving is better than not. And, and obsession is a habit for me. And it's, it's, it's ingrained because of my addict, addict mind. So I have, to, um, I have to turn that over. And if I catch myself obsessing, it's like, oh, I'm obsessing. Okay, you know, I just try to be aware of it and and be loving. Loving for me is letting go, you know. Did you have a question? Oh, sorry. I did not have a question, but I'll ask you. uh, Thank you so much for your share. And uh, can you talk about how, uh, if you have, and how it affects you to continue your creativity? Oh. Um, so cre- cre- continuing my creative creativity in this program and how do I do that? Well, I have a, a creative profession that's technical, and then I also have my music, which is my gift that I share with myself and, and others, and I think God d- shares with me. Um, so um, I... Just if this is a serenity prayer stuff. Like I have to do what I can, and I, I just really believe that like God gives us all different strengths and talents, and that that like we like build our relationship with Him by using them, and that it would be like at this point I feel like it's I would be worse off if I didn't use them, and so a lot of times that requires like a lot of work and, and a lot of different. You know, um, I, I, say, I should say very dedicated to my work because that's a version of how I, it's a version of my spiritual practice. So I don't get to be an ego about it. I'm not saying I don't, that I don't have ego, but it's like when that comes up, it's like, okay, that's me. That's not God. Like, God gave me the talent. Like, he like He put it there. Like, it's, it's my job to, like, serve that. You know, that's, that's a, a 12-step thing, you know, like being of service. So it's that. I mean, it's not about vanity or ego. I'm not saying that those things don't come up. They're totally part of it. I think that's one of the hardest things about creative work is that it is comes from you. So it is. It, it's very easy to to become egotistical about that and to really struggle with that. But um, ultimately, we're just like channels, you know, like letting it come out. And you know, that's why God gave us the ability to do whatever that thing is. And so. Just try to use it to help people and to share. And it's a struggle, you know, because ego does come up. And just do it anyway. Thank you so much. Can you talk about your uh, relationships, either your immediate family or family, family of origin, family of creative, and how they've changed? How they've changed? Yeah, that's really good. I don't have very much time, so I'm going to go fast. But that's really good because I was just talking about the, the, the question is, can I talk about my how my relationships with my immediate family and intimate have changed through program? And I'm going to speak about my family because um, I was just on the phone with my brother, who telling him that I was coming to do this, and he asked me to send him the link to the podcast, and I was like, ah, 
But I know, I mean, he's the good guy, so he knows he's good. And he knows he's not, I don't know if anything bad about him, but um, I, feel, I still struggle with, and so I was, because I was talking to him about other things that are going on in our life, and I was saying, like, that my little kid inside of me still believes that, that I was utterly forsaken, that um, my parents were not there, and that they, not only were they not there, but they wanted to hurt me. And that that comes, when I'm dealing with really difficult stuff in my life, which I am right now, that's what's on the inside. That's why my body is, like, shaking and I'm scared because, like, that little kid, like, my psyche, whatever you want to call it, it believes that. And it's, it's in that place, even though present day, I know that that's not true about my parents. And I've been able to rewrite that, reframe that story. And um, I still struggle with communication around it. But um, living amends, for sure, you know, 10 steps and just... Um, just trying not to put, trying not to make my story be their fault, and just blame does not work. It has not served me. It didn't serve me. It got me here. It got me eating cheeseburgers incessantly and like being miserable and being fat and uncomfortable. And this doesn't, you know. So I, I know that blame is not the answer. So therefore, I have to reframe and write a new story and then work on those relationships on a daily basis. That's my time. Thank you.